Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. Well, behold, I create a new heaven, create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Let's pray. Father, we pray that when we leave this place, that you would bless us to be encouraged in our joy before you. That our joy would be channeled in a proper way. That we would seek joy for what you have given us to rejoice in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be very brief this afternoon, but I want to uh, leave you with two additional thoughts, and I want to summarize the uh, the things that we talked about this morning under this little heading. God has created a new heavens and new earth, and uh, our joy is to be found in that. God says, "You you rejoice in what I create." And I want to just summarize that creation uh, very briefly by reminding us of how he created that. He created Israel by redemption from Egypt and giving them a law and leading them through the wilderness and bringing them into a promised land where he established their worship and he established his rule over them. And that was his creation of Israel. And just like that, except in a uh, in a fuller and more real sense, God has created the new heavens and the new earth. So how did he do that? He sent Christ in the fullness of time to be born of a virgin. And he announced his coming by John the Baptist. He announced Jesus through baptism. Jesus lived the perfect life for three and a half years in our place. Then he paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Then he died and was buried and rose again the third day. And 50 days later, instead of giving the law, he gave the Holy Spirit. And whereas the law brought death, the Holy Spirit brings life. And on the day the law was given, 3,000 people died. On the day the Holy Spirit was given, 3,000 people were saved. And for 40 years, the apostles wandered about the face of the earth, not in disobedience, but in obedience to the Word of God. And they preached the gospel. Um, And 40 years, After Jesus ransomed his people from sin and death, he brought them into the fullness of the kingdom by destroying forever the temple where the daily sacrifices were offered. And what are we left with? Now that the old heaven and earth of Israel's existence have passed away, we're left with the new heavens and earth of the messianic reign over his people. And we are in that heavens and earth. And God created us in that manner. 
He created this situation in which we live in just that way. And now He dwells with us. He is among us. He is our people. Uh, He is our God and we're His people. And so we have all these blessings that accrue to us because of His creative activity and creating for Himself a people. And that crops up all in the New Testament. Uh, We're His workmanship, for instance, Paul says in Ephesians 2. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which He has before ordained that we should walk in them. We are His creation. And so God says to us in Isaiah, Seek your joy in something that is substantial, that will, that will support your joy. And that is his new creation. And he says rejoice in that. You have the privilege and the obligation to rejoice in that. But there are two other thoughts, not just the fact that God has created the new heavens and the new earth that uh, sustains our joy. But there are two other facts that he tells us that he wants us to think about, and they are these. And that is the purpose of this new creation. The purpose of the creation is for it to be a place of joy. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 65 uh, and verse 18, the latter part of verse 18. God says to us, Behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. So, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Isaiah says, Steadfastly gaze at, contemplate, meditate, and think about this. This creation of mine, this new heavens and new earth that I have brought into existence was for the purpose of housing joy. And that is just full. The the, the scriptures are full of passages that indicate that this new condition, this new situation, this new heavens and earth that God has created He did so in order that there would be joy. So listen to some passages. In Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 23, listen to the cosmology. Listen to the the prophet speak to the creation. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth, Bring forth, break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Now we have mountains here. If we are, if our joy is waning and if it's ebbing, do this sometime. Walk out by the Crusa River. And look over at Lookout Mountain and look at the river and the, and the mountains and start telling them to sing and break forth in shouts of praise and joy. 
And if you uh, are not looked at like you might be a little bit addled by some people that are walking by, just you might do that enough to where you say, you know what? I am part of this creation. I'm part of what God has done. This is speaking to me. It's calling upon me to join the creation of God in singing praises to the Lord. You say, well, I can't do that. I just don't feel... Well, try it. Let's try to... Let's, let's, let's try to open our mouths in praise to the Lord and see if He will fill the, our mouths with a joyful sound. Isaiah 49, 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted His people, and He will have mercy upon His afflicted. Has God brought us as his ransomed people, out of our bondage? Has he delivered us from our bondage to sin and death? Where has he taken us to? Did he, did he, were we in captivity and he came and ransomed us but just left us where we were? No. He took us from the place of our bondage into his Zion. And listen to how Isaiah describes this in 51.11. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I want us to... Firmly put it in our mind this afternoon that God has created a new people and He has created a new heavens and earth and He intends for that place to be a place of joy, rejoicing and shouting and, uh, and just merriment on the part of His people. Zechariah 9 Verses 9 through 11 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the fold of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river, the river even unto the ends of the earth. And thee also by the blood of thy covenant have I sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. We know this is speaking about the first coming of Christ because that passage is quoted when Christ came into Jerusalem on the uh, uh, on Palm Sunday, and so this is speaking about what happened through His establishment of the heavens and the earth when He came the first time, and so the result is uh, the result of Him coming and riding on the uh, the donkey into Jerusalem, and and the things that accompanied that were that he would be seated upon the throne of David. 
His dominion would extend from the river to the ends of the earth. His dominion would be uh, throughout all the world. And he would wait, as Psalm 110 tells us, until all of his enemies are made his footstool. And so what's the result that we're to do? Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly. So Isaiah says, he gives us the fact that God created this new heavens and earth. To Isaiah, he would create it. For us, he has created it. And also that it is created to be a place of joy for us. Third thing, it is a place of joy for God. It is a place of joy for God himself. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 19. God says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. I think, I suspect, that this is one of the least used leverages for joy that we have. And what I mean by that is this. We have a hard time loving ourselves, rejoicing in ourselves as God has made us righteous in Christ. We have a hard time believing and accepting that someone else among our peers could love us and accept us and joy in us. And there's something about the wiles of the devil uh, and about our flesh that deceives us and we think at certain key times and when we're discouraged for whatever reason and we think, you know what? I don't really believe that anybody in this life really loves me. They don't understand me. If they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. And we have a hard time believing that someone else could get true joy out of us. We don't get much joy out of ourselves. And we don't think that other people can get much joy out of us. Now, if that is true... How much harder is it for us to believe that God takes absolute delight in us? I believe that our joy depends upon us being able to rejoice in ourselves. Now, dearly beloved, you know I'm not saying as we are naturally. 
But as we are creatures of God in Christ, we can be at peace and even have joy with ourselves. And in this new heavens and new earth, we're in righteousness, we are free to accept the fact that somebody else can love us. And even greater than that, we are invited by God Himself to believe that God Himself actually loves us. And I suspect that His love is steady. It's not, it doesn't waver. It's not dependent on the, the, whether we've had enough sunshine recently or not, or if it's raining or not. It's not dependent on what we have done or not done. God rejoices in us as we are in Christ. And He invites us to accept that, believe that, and absolutely delight and take joy in it ourselves. Listen to these passages where God tells you, as you are a new creature in Christ, you're part of the new creation. Listen to God's love language to you. In Isaiah 62, verses 4 and 5, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. How many of us have felt like we've been forsaken? By somebody? At some time? We've been dealt with harshly in a negligent manner? Or somebody has just outright rejected us? Betty could tell you that I've related to her certain incidents that have happened to me over the years, especially when I was young and vulnerable. (laughs) Now I'm so old and crusty, nothing hardly bothers me too much. But when I was young and vulnerable, certain people said certain things that really, really hurt. I felt rejected. And I felt forsaken. God says to us that you are not to consider yourself forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. Well, I don't think that I am of much worth to the Lord. I'm not bearing much fruit. I'm not yielding much that's of worth to anybody. God says, Thy land shall not be termed desolate. Thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee. Can you allow your spirit to whisper to itself right now and just say, The Lord delighteth in me? 
In thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Now that's, to Isaiah, it's future. To us, it's present. The Lord rejoices over us as a bridegroom rejoices, rejoiceth over his bride. Isn't that New Testament energy, uh, New Testament imagery? Paul says, I've espoused you as a chaste virgin unto Christ. God is married to us. And husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The Lord delights in you. Now, I know we can say, well, it's not because of this and it's because of Christ and it's not who I really am. And No, that's not what... No, you're in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. And the Lord, as a new creature, delights in you. Listen to another passage. And this one is found in Jeremiah 32. Some, a lot of us have been reading in Jeremiah uh, recently. And Jeremiah has a lot of discouraging things in it. But there are passages in there where God has Jeremiah look beyond the things that are making him weep about Israel. And he looks to the day that we live in. And he says things like this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. And have I already read this? This is another passage in it. Yeah. This is Zechariah. Sorry. Yeah. My electronic notes got out of whack. Sorry. This is Jeremiah. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. Now that's where... Jeremiah was was weeping because God was sending them into Babylonian captivity. And now he's looking beyond that. And he's saying, I'm going to bring them out of captivity at one place, at two or three places, Jeremiah says it would be after 70 years. And he's going to bring them back to Jerusalem. And here's why that he brought them back to Jerusalem. And they shall be my people and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. And listen to this. Yes. I will rejoice over them to do them good 
I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Now, now listen. That passage was not fulfilled until Christ came. Israel had to come back out of Babylonian captivity to reestablish worship in Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple in order that eventually the Messiah could be born and come to the temple, as all the prophecies had stated that he would. But this prophecy about them being his people and him writing his law and his covenant in their hearts was not fulfilled until Christ came. But once it was, and we now live in the result of this, listen to what he says about us. I will rejoice over you with joy. What did Jesus say would happen in heaven in the presence of the angels when one sinner repented. He says there will be rejoicing in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. Now, I'm not sure about this, and this is a little bit of speculation, but let me ask you this. If there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when you repent, who is it that's rejoicing? God. Christ. When the Holy Spirit brings a sinner to repent of their sin, Whatever that is. Coldness, hardiness, rebellion, indifference, outright sinful lifestyle. When that happens, Jesus and God Himself rejoices. You know what I believe? And I, I would not give a, a person false assurance for anything. And let me just say this. We, each of us, need to examine ourselves to whether, whether we're in the faith or not. So I, I don't want to be presumptuous, and I, I would not encourage you in your sin. Okay? And if a person continues in sin and in rebellion against God and against the church and against his people, that is, that's not a good sign. God doesn't delight in people like that. The people he delights in are the people that his Holy Spirit brings to repentance and submission to Christ. And, but if that's true, and, and I will say this again, if you have repented of your sins, if you're sorry for your sin, if you're striving to do everything that you know your Lord wants you to do, they say, well, you know, I know I need to do better in this area, and I know I should do this, but I'm just not going to do it. 
This word of comfort is not to you. But if you will repent and do what God tells you to do in submission to His Word, this message is to you. And the message is, I rejoice, God says, over you with great joy. So, this week, as you're thinking about your joy, as the Puritans have encouraged us, to be careful that we don't joy, we don't find joy in the wrong things that we have a tendency to find joy in. But if, we're, if, 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 if we want to be joyful, how many of us, let me, you don't have to raise your hand, but how, this is rhetorical, how many of us really don't want to be joyful? We do, don't we? Well, As we're thinking about the level of joy in our lives, let's think about this. God has created a new heaven and new earth in which we dwell. Secondly, that place is created for the purpose of housing joyful people. It was created for a people that are calling on the mountains and the and the hills and the and the earth and the stars and the sun to rejoice in the Lord. And thirdly, God Himself joys in us. And as we think about that and as we view that, do you, you remember the parable that Jesus? Gave about the field of great the field that had a pearl in it, and the man found the pearl and uh, he went and sold all that he had in order to get it. And I guess it was buried treasure in the field, and he went and bought the field so that he got. I sometimes wonder if we can't apply that both ways. Obviously, when we see the kingdom of heaven and we see Christ in His beauty, we are willing to part with everything we have to get Him. But I think it's the other way too. There is a sense, and don't don't get me started trying to split theological hairs here too much, But there is a sense in which Christ is the Savior of the whole world. In order to be, in a very special sense, the Savior of the elect. He loved the world. In order to have his precious treasure, the grace, the common grace of of God, is bestowed on the world through Christ. And God sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. 
through Christ. But he does it in order to have you as his elect, precious, jewel, unbelievably valuable to him treasure. And when he makes up his jewels and looks at them, he admires them and he rejoices in them. That's you. So if that is pleasing to you, and perhaps it would be a great thing to think on this week to increase our joy and, uh, and be a sure foundation for our joy. So God has created the new heavens and new earth. He created it to be a place of joy, not a place of sad faces. It's not a place where everybody, where the preacher should go around and if somebody's smiling, say, what are you so happy about and try to squelch the joy. We're helpers of your joy. He created heaven's new earth to be a place of joy, and He wants you to know that He rejoices over you with great joy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, what you have said to us is beyond our ability to comprehend, and we have a tendency, Lord, please don't let Satan come and rob this word out of our hearts. Bless it, Lord, to sink down into good ground and produce fruit, I pray. Help us to see that our Lord Jesus Christ has made us new creatures. And we're new creatures in Him. We're a new creation. Bless us to see that You did this, Lord, for us so that we could be a rejoicing people. And, Lord, we're so prone to to get our eyes off these things and and remember things and think about things and worry about things that might happen or could happen. And we just are robbed of this precious, abiding, deep, and, and just wonderful joy that is so vital to us. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us to to think about how you look upon us with great joy and and that we're pleasant to you and our Lord. And we're thankful for that, Father. And just please bless us to be full of these thoughts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.